Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. So as I had mentioned earlier, we are beginning a new series today, and the series is titled Life in Babylon. And Message one of this series I titled Wonders in Babylon. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel chapter 1. You're not going to want to miss what God is going to say to us today. So please get your Bibles open. And I titled this message Wonders in Babylon because what happens with Daniel in Babylon is a wonder of God. But also ancient Babylon had two of the seven wonders of the ancient world. One of them was the Hanging Gardens, which should be coming up on my clicker here, was the Hanging Gardens, which was an intricate system of plants that uh, came off of this temple that were built by King Nebuchadnezzar, who we're going to learn more about here momentarily. But another wonder of the ancient world in Babylon was were the walls of Babylon. There we go. That's the Hanging Gardens you see right there. Now, the walls of Babylon protected the city of Babylon. Now, Babylon was the world empire, the world's dominant empire at this time, okay? And so they built this extravagant system of protection around their city. There was three tiers of walls built around the city. And according to the ancient historian Herodotus, they were 56 miles in length around the city they were 80 feet thick and he reports that they were up to 320 feet high i had a hard time believing that and it is a little disputed on the height of the wall some say they were only about 80 feet some say 125 he said 320 regardless of what they really were they were extravagant and they were a wonder so they were very big so what we have in this series today is we are going to read about some young men who were taken captive and taken out of their home country and brought into a country that was foreign to them to where they were now going to have to make their new home. They were exiled from a God-friendly country to a God-hostile country. And you know, many of us feel that in our country today, we are taking God captive and exiling him right out of the United States of America. You know, do you feel that way? I do. I do. Are we exiling God out of our uh, country today? So that's what we're going to talk about. How do we live in a culture? that is continually, continually hostile toward God. Okay, we're going to learn this right here. Christians can bring glory to God in hostile territory. All right? And we want to apply this point. Glorify God in a non-Christian culture by faithfully using our gifts to further his kingdom. Ladies, you're going to be gathering together here in a few weeks. You're going to be doing a painting together. That is an example of using your gift to glorify the kingdom of God. And we all have gifts and talents in this church. And what an impact we could make if we all did the things that we like to do for our hobbies and for our interests to glorify the kingdom of God. All right, let's take a little bit 
uh, look at the context of this scripture, okay? When is this taking place? This is about 605 BC, and that's an error up there on the board. It should say 325 years after the divided kingdom. That's when Israel separated between the northern and the southern kingdoms. And this takes place during Jehoiakim's reign. And Jehoiakim was the son of Josiah. And Josiah was a righteous king who cleaned up Israel. He got rid of the high places and the idols. But then his son came along and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he was really a vassal king, which means he was left in place by Nebuchadnezzar. Not really a king. It was Babylon who had control of Israel during this time. But he was uh, a cohort of Nebuchadnezzar, which in other words, Nebuchadnezzar had him under his thumb. Okay, so this is the beginning of Babylonian captivity. It happened in three waves, three separate occasions. Babylonians took exiles from uh, Jerusalem. And the way that they did this, and it was a common war technique at the time, they would take the best and brightest out of a country, bring them back to their home country, and it would leave the other country weak, right? And they didn't have to worry about them being a threat or building their forces back up. They would just take the best of the country, the strongest, the best and the brightest, take them right on out. And that's what we see with Daniel. And this culminated in the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. Where is this taking place? Oops, it's right there on the map, Nick. So the um, uh, young men were taking, taken captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And you see that on the map there. That was about a 900-mile track right there into the city of Babylon okay Babylon was so impressive at that time that it was considered the center of the world it was a polytheistic culture and their national guard was Marduk who was a false idol they had temples and shrines erected to him Babylon is a uh, modern day Iraq okay modern day Iraq so who is involved in this? Daniel, he's going to be the main focus of our message here today. Daniel was a talented and educated youth taken captive from Jerusalem into Babylon. He was given the gift of interpreting dreams. He is considered a major prophet here in the Bible, and that's determined by the length of the book. Okay, And he was third in command in Babylon. He rose to third in command in Babylon. That's how God used him, much in the way he used Joseph back in Egypt in the book of Genesis. He uses Daniel in that same manner. And then we have this King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar reigned for over 40 years as king of Babylon. He was a warrior king who brought Babylon back to prominence. They had reached a low point. He brought them back. He adorned Babylon with much architectural splendor. As I mentioned, two of the ancient world's seven wonders were in Babylon. He was also a prideful and dominating king, which seems to be the common characteristics of anyone who has such control, right? So that is what is going on now. Daniel demonstrates for us in this passage today how to glorify God in a non-Christian culture. And he does this because God seems to think that the message that is here in Daniel today is relevant to us in 2022, teaching us 
that as the world continues to grow increasingly hostile to Christianity, it will continue to do that as a time for evil draws to an end. All right, so let's get started here. What we want to focus on now is the challenges that Daniel had in his faith as he was exiled from Jerusalem and in to Babylon. Now, when he was taken out of a God-friendly culture, a culture where he was free to worship his God, he was brought into a God-hostile culture. The God of Israel was not accepted or appreciated in Babylon. They served false gods. They served idols. They served the desires and the lusts of their flesh. Okay? Babylon was a progressive culture in that day and age, and so humanism was very big. It was all about you and your feelings and what you want to do and what feels good to you, much like America today, right? Let's focus on you and how you feel. Well, you know, Christianity teaches us, you know, don't be so concerned about yourself. Focus on your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Focus your attention on the Lord and the victory you have in him, right? It's a good way to defeat uh, a lot of the anxieties that we have is to stop looking at ourselves. Focus on others. Focus on the Lord. And Daniel found himself living in a God-hostile culture. Many people feel today that we are living in a God-hostile culture. Daniel was taken from a home where he was able to worship the God of Israel, and he was brought into a culture that said, you know what? That God don't go around here. That God just don't go around here. Don't even think about worshiping him. You know, here in this country, this country was built by our founding fathers. These were men who were God-friendly. And they built this country to be a God-friendly place. Let me give you just a moment. Let me give you some statements from some of the founding fathers of our beloved United States of America. This is Thomas Jefferson, the third U.S. president, drafter and signer of the Declaration of Independence. He says this, God gave us life and liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God? I am a real Christian. That is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. That was Thomas Jefferson. John Hancock, you know him. Hey, put your John Hancock on that. He was the first signer of the Declaration of Independence. He said this, Continue steadfast and with a proper sense of your dependence on God, nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man ought to take from us. Roger Sherman, he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. He says this, I believe that there is only one living and true God existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the same in substance, equal in power and glory, that the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are a revelation from God and a complete rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. And then we have Patrick Henry. He was famous for his statement, give me liberty or give me death. Ratifier of the U.S. Constitution. He said this, 
It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. This country was founded on biblical Christian principles and contrary to what some have said in the past this is a Christian nation we are one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all that is the brick we have been built upon and we are seeing that being torn away today Constant hostility toward our country. Look at some of the hostility that we have going on in America today. Economic irresponsibility. We are a nation built on credit and drowning in debt. $15 trillion in household debt. The average American has $150,000 of debt. The Average college student graduates with twenty-five dollars to $50,000 in debt. Congratulations. Right? The educational system is decaying. They teach Darwinism, Big Bang Theory, millions of years. They teach my young children that you evolved from a monkey. Absurd nonsense. None of you evolved from an ape. You are a special creation of God. You are a human being who was set like a diamond inside his creation on the earth that was made special for you. And he sent his son to die for you. Can I get an amen on that? Thank you. The judicial system is decaying. Folks, I read a story that took place back in 1968. You would have thought, well, the judicial system was still pretty secure back then. This was a man. Well, let me start with this. It was a young girl, 10-year-old girl. She was at a YMCA. She was celebrating Christmas Eve there with her family. She went to use the bathroom, and she was never found again. They found the suspect. The police arrested him. They put him in the car, and he began to tell them where the body was. And one of the officers that was in the car said, you need to tell us where the body is. It'd be good because the family wants to have a good Christian burial for their daughter. They found the young girl lying in a ditch. She had been raped and smothered, lying in a ditch. They put the man in jail. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court overturned the verdict, saying that the man needed to be released and set free because his rights were violated because the officer said that the girl needed a Christian burial. His relig religious rights were infringed upon. That was in 1968. A rapist and a murderer was set free. If I had been on that Supreme Court, I would have expedited his death sentence. And I would have said, send in the preacher. Give him the opportunity to find Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Because Jesus loves him. Even though he did a bad thing, the Lord would still love to see him in heaven. But by no means is he fit to be running around on this earth anymore. Not after what he has done to an innocent young life. But our judicial system just doesn't seem to see things that way anymore. And it's a shame. The family is being ripped apart. Marriage is under attack. The family structure, gender neutral. Innocent life ripped 
from the womb and said, it's just a ball of tissue and it's inconvenient right now. Whatever happened to the thought, you know, I'll give my life for my child. Not a thing in our country anymore. You know, when I walk into work, well, they don't do it anymore, but they did for the last two years. I stand in front of this monitor and they take my temperature and ask me, do you have any of these symptoms for COVID? You can take the temperature of a culture by the things that the culture accepts. And you look at the things that are acceptable in this culture today, and we are sick. We are sick. And you say, wow, Nick, this is a very depressing start. 1 John 5.19 says, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But the scripture also says, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Rejoice today, my dear friends. You have the spirit of God living inside you and he cannot overcome you. I'm talking about Satan and his demons. You have the power of God resting in you and you have won the victory. You have won the battle. You have won the war. You have salvation in Christ and you have a home in heaven. Hallelujah. So Daniel was living in a God-hostile culture, and we are living in that very same type of culture here today. He was also pressured to conform to the God-hostile culture. Look what it says here in a scripture. Let's go into the Bible, chapter 1 in Daniel, and let's look at verses, uh, the second part of verse 4. And then we'll look at verse 5 and verse 7. Look what it says here. Now, this is Daniel. He was brought into Babylon, and this is what they told him that he needed to do, and they made him do this. Okay? It says here, uh, he was ordered, they ordered him to teach them literature and the language of the Chaldeans. That's the Babylonians. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated Three years at the end of which they were to enter into the king's personal service. Go to verse 7 now. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel assigned the name Belteshazzar. Pressure to conform to the culture. Daniel was told what was acceptable for him to eat. Daniel was educated three years in the culture and in the language and to the customs of Babylon. Daniel was even had his name changed. Do you see what they're trying to do here? They're trying to change who he is and how he thinks. They're basically brainwashing him to be what Babylon wants him to be. Do you feel the same today that this American culture is brainwashing you into being something they want you to be to accept things they tell you you have to accept? I can't hear you. Do you feel that way? You've got to speak to me. I need to hear and feel your heart. Let it out. Let it go. It's okay. I'm with you. I'm behind you. Okay? We're together in this. This is how I feel. We're being brainwashed. We're being told what we must accept. A push to normalize and accept immorality. You must accept this. This is not going to be a political statement, but a spiritual statement. Uh, our current president, we had a Supreme Court vacancy. And instead of saying, I'm going to take the most qualified 
person for the job. He said, I'm going to select a person only from this particular gender and this particular race. Right? That was racist and that was sexist and that was wrong. The most qualified people should be presented for that position, regardless of gender, regardless of race. But it was acceptable in our culture. I had a man tell me, he works for a prestigious company in Cincinnati. He said, Nick, I've worked for this company for 30 years. I've been married to the same woman for about that same length of time. And when I walk down the halls of this company, they, do, they promote a lifestyle that I completely disagree with. They promote lesbian, gay, transgender, and queer lifestyles. He said, I've been married to the same woman for over 30 years, and never have I seen anything on the walls celebrating that. And this is a good thing. In fact, most of the people in our company are just like me, Nick. And I said, you know, you're right. It's a symptom of the culture. Transgender man calls himself a woman and competes in swimming contests and shatters all the girls' records. What a pity. What a shame. Shouldn't be that way. And yet, you know what? We're told to accept that. You need to accept that because you're living in Babylon. March of 2021, a Canadian man was jailed for calling his female child his daughter. I thought this was made up, but it's not. Canadian man jailed for calling a female child his daughter, ignoring a court order to stop because his daughter insisted on being referred to in male pronouns. The man blamed the school and they said they were encouraging her to identify as a man. The culture is sick. The world is sick. And Satan sits back and he laughs. And he laughs. The forces of evil are multiplying on the border and they're starting to invade. What is the message today. I want you to write this down. I received this message Friday night. I watched a movie called American Underdog. It's about Kurt Warner. He was a quarterback for the St. Louis Rams. And he struggled early on in his college career. In fact, sat the bench. He said, Coach, why don't you ever play me? Why aren't you putting me in a game? He said, Kurt, I'll tell you why. You don't stay in the pocket. He said, the first sign of pressure, the first sign of trouble, the first sign of adversary, adversity, you run. You flee the pocket. And he says, I need you to stay in that pocket. I need you to trust your team, and I need you to trust my playbook. Stay in the pocket, and you'll play. And that's exactly what God is telling us today. Stay in the pocket. You know, a pocket is when the offensive line forms like a horseshoe around the quarterback as they ward off the defensemen who are trying to sack the quarterback. And what the quarterback is taught to do is to step up into that protection and deliver the ball to his receivers. When he escapes the pocket, he's vulnerable. God has a pocket 
for you and I. And he wants us to stay in that pocket. And he says, don't escape the pocket. Stay in the pocket. I know there's going to be pressure. There's going to be adversity. But I am there to protect you. And so to stay in the pocket, we have to do these three things from Scripture here today that Daniel teaches us. Number one, remain trusting in God. I'm going to read to you from uh, verses 3 and 4 here in Daniel. Look what it says. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. Okay? It's not what we read right there. It's what we don't read. You don't see Daniel putting up a fight you don't see Daniel resisting this what you see is you see Daniel stepping up in the pocket and trusting God you know why Daniel didn't resist you know why Daniel didn't put up a fight you know why Daniel didn't rebel because he trusted God God Daniel knew that wherever he was God was with him and Daniel trusted God to take care of him and to provide for him and Daniel remembered that his real home was not in Jerusalem was not in Babylon but was in heaven my dear friends the pocket may be collapsing on us today in the culture but your home is not here your home is in heaven with the Lord this is a short time this is temporary and though it may look like we're losing the battle my friends we win the war we win the war it's done revelation says it's done it's over you have victory in Jesus Christ and Daniel he didn't put up a fight he trusted that God was going to be with him and that God was going to use him in Babylon God wants to use you in America yeah hear that God wants to use you in America he wants to use us, the talents and the gifts that he has given us in order to make our environment around us a godly environment. You know where we also see this? Look up on the board there. We see this from the one who saved your everlasting soul, your Lord and Savior, the God of this universe who came down in the flesh to take our punishment on the cross. He did the same thing. Look what it says. While being reviled, I'm in 1 Peter 2.23. He did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who what? Judges righteously. You see, Daniel knew that God is a righteous judge. And that Daniel didn't have to take revenge, but he left vengeance to the Lord. Right? You know, in Romans chapter 13, we're commanded that we are not to oppose our governing authorities, right? Because the governing authorities are established by God to keep evil at bay. They're a source of good. They're ordained by God. And Daniel knew, hey, God is with me. He remembered Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him and to all who call upon him in truth. My friends, God is near you when you call upon him in truth.
trust that. Okay? So we remain trusting in God. Second, we remain faithful to God. Look at verse 8. This is a good one. Look at verse 8, chapter 1 of Daniel. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. You see, Daniel said, you can change my name. You can teach me your language. You can teach me your culture. But I draw the line when it comes to my diet. You know why? Because there was no God-written violation against a name change or learning a new language or being educated or learning a new culture. But there was against the diet. God had placed dietary restrictions on his people. Why? Because God wanted his people clean. You're not going to eat foods sacrificed to idols or false gods. You're not going to eat these internal organs that these pagans eat. You're not going to eat things offered in blood. You're going to eat clean foods. And I'm going to bless you for that. Now, a lot of people do what's called the Daniel diet because they see that he ate vegetables. But really, that word vegetables, it's also written as pulse in the King James. And it means things sown. So it's a diet heavy on beans and heavy on lentils. Okay? And so Daniel drew the line and he said, I am going to remain faithful to God. And he did this because he was unmoved in his principles and he re was reminded that not everything is a fight. Not everything is a fight. Changing my name, that's not a fight. Teaching me the education and culture, that's not a fight. Right? But when it came to the principles of God, he drew the line. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 9.22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. Daniel became adapted to the Babylonian culture so that God could use him to save people in Babylon. He was a light shining in the darkness. He was the salt and the light in Babylon. But he was unmoved from his principles in God. And this reminds me of what happened in Acts when Peter and John were told, you guys cannot preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. And they said this, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. And so they throw him in a pokey. And there they sat in the jail, right? They were going to be unmoved from doing what was right in the eyes of God. But they would yield to other things because they remembered not everything is a fight. But there are certain things that we will not be moved from. Earlier in the week, I heard that uh, Lawrenceburg Road was underwater. And I used to live on Lawrenceburg Road. There's a part between Suspension Bridge and uh, Kilby, or not Kilby, yeah, 50 and suspension bridge and it was underwater and i remember living there at the time that river every time we get a good rain that river would come up to the road and the road would be underwater and we would sit we lived up on a hill across the street from the river and we would see trees float by 
boats float by, dogs float by, <laughs> rafts. I mean, anything anybody had out in their yard was floating by, and we'd sit up there and just watch it all go as that river raged. And uh, then the waters would recede. I have a bench at the end of my driveway, at the end of our driveway, that sits there. And one gentleman, uh, last week, he said, yours is the house with that bench, right? I said, yeah. He said, that's kind of odd. You just have that bench sitting there like that. I'm like, yeah, well, the kids would sit there when they were younger and wait for the bus. He's like, oh, that makes sense. And then I said, but that bench has a lot more meaning than that. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, do you see that bench? It's concrete on the sides and the wood in the middle i said that river down at lawrenceburg road would come up and it would wash away everything and i said then the waters would recede but that bench would still be right there those raging waters could not move that bench and i have that bench there to remind me that i will not be moved in my faith for god amen you will not be moved from your faith in God you are a concrete pillar you are a concrete bench the waters are raging the culture is coming on strong but you will not be moved you know why because you're going to stay in the pocket here they come they're coming for a sack you're going to step up in the pocket and you're going to remain true to God and you're going to remain faithful to God why because he's given you his spirit and he is holding you in his hand and no one can snatch you out of the hand of God amen and the other thing that Daniel teaches us here today is to remain friendly in a God hostile culture not the easiest thing at the beginning of this message, you were seeing me getting all fired up. And you're like, man, he's angry. No, I'm not angry. I'm compassionate. I'm compassionate, right? But I do realize that we have to remain friendly in this culture. We can't go off the hook, right? We have to remain friendly in this culture. Why? Because it's what the Lord did, and it's how we win people, right? So watching the news and getting all fired up and angry that's not what we're commanded to do and that's not the best life let's turn that stuff off and let's read the bible read the book of daniel okay that's where you're really going to make the most difference but we don't know how to make a difference until we start reading the scriptures we're just out there floating around and we'll take any idea that comes into our head you could hear somebody on a, a talk radio show and you think well that's a great idea that's what we need to do no that's the opposite of what you need to do it's the opposite. See, the Bible's countercultural. It teaches you what you're supposed to do, that the world doesn't know what to do because the Bible doesn't operate by human wisdom. It operates by heavenly wisdom given by God and written down on these pages by men inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty strong statement, but it's a true fact. So we do not return evil for evil. Very challenging. First Peter 3 9. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Mm-hmm. But giving a blessing instead. Do not retaliate on social media is what it says right there. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. One thing I want to point out to you is that Daniel gained favor. He was in a hostile culture. He was 
being told, you need to adapt to this culture and submit. And you know what Daniel did? Look at verse 9. God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander and the officials. Why did he do this? Because Daniel stood his ground with God's principles and he asked for permission. Here's a very important point I want you to see. Look in verse 8. It says when he said that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or wine, he sought permission from the commander. He didn't throw the food. He didn't throw the plate. He didn't cause a big scene. He reasoned with him. And he said, hey, can we not eat that? Can we eat these other things? And he remained friendly in a hostile culture. And because of that, he gained favor from the Lord. And the Lord was able to use him. Why? Because he represented the true nature of God in a hostile culture by remaining friendly. We are not friendly to God, but God remained friendly to us by giving his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sees what we watch on the computer. God sees what we watch on the TV. God hears what we put in our ears and the music. God sees what we put in our mouths. God sees all these things, these actions. And yet he's patient and kind toward us to offer us opportunity to turn from our evil ways and to turn to him. God remains friendly in a hostile culture. And in the last point I want to make from this very lengthy opening to this series. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. We see communist countries like China and Russia. And what the way they're able to do that is they crush the spirit of their people. And they tell them, you need us. You can't do anything apart from us. And so you have the rise of communism, which is a dark evil. My friends, I know there's a lot of things wrong in America today, but this is the greatest country on the face of the planet. And it's the greatest country that God ever created apart from the golden age of Israel and apart from what is coming at the consummation of the age. We are living in a blessed nation. And so... Do not lose heart. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Always remember your victory. Always remember your future and what you have in store for you. We store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. My friends, stay in the pocket remain trusting to god remain faithful to god and remain friendly in a god hostile culture would you bow your heads as we pray thank you for listening to the sunday message by pastor nick stringer at creekside church in brookville indiana for more information you can go to www.creekside-church.org on the website. Once again, 
You've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.